Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast. Today I'm joined by Footy Index 102, formerly Football Index 101, but his actual name is Alex. So Alex, why don't you first off tell us a bit about yourself, your Football Index journey, but then tell us what's up with the 101 to 102 upgrade? Uh, the big, that was the biggest ghost, isn't it? Everyone wants to know why. Uh, my background is I'm more more in tennis. Been on the tennis index. indexer. Yeah. So once you spoke about tennis last time, I was like, oh, I've, I've had a look at maybe potentially even uh, getting into stuff like that. Uh, it's not as easy as it first looks. Um, no, been on the football index since February 2017. On the end of February, and my first trade was 15 Mbappes. Okay. I was looking. I was looking through it the other day, and thought uh, with the rise, and I know a lot of people have been speaking about. Mbappe and his rise and so oh that was my first ever promotion Friday wow well that's something we'll move on to to later on in the show but yeah go, go on 101 to 102 what, what's up with that yeah so I was I went to American University I studied broadcast journalism in Las Vegas uh, my university was called Uni- uh, University of Nevada Las Vegas UNLV and I've just followed the American theme like when you're starting out something your history 101 or your geography 101. It's the the basics, the freshman year. Uh, and then after my first year, when I was completely 365 days, I became 102, which is more of a, a sophomore, your second year in. Uh, and then I'm guessing with years to come, I can move up to junior and senior with a bit more experience. <laughs> so w- what's the difference between you back in 101 and, and now in 102? What, what's... What kind of advice can you give to those users who are maybe in their first six months on the platform? I think when I first started, we, we didn't really have anything. We didn't have yourself. We didn't have Football Edge. Uh, we didn't have all these other little bits and pieces. So a little bit of difference from me is just having these sort of people around and having the the facts and the, the, the figures right there to have a look at maybe if you're talking performance buzz or you're looking, all right, within that year, who took the most media buzz, who's popular in what sort of time of the month. So now I think with that, you know, it's, it's a tough one. I think uh, I'm a little bit more experienced now. I'm not panicking. I think that was my biggest what you call it, achievement, I guess, now. that I, I stopped panicking. When I, first, when I first started, if I had anyone certain big and they started dropping 5p, 6p, 7p, it wasn't I've got an instant sell straight there. It's all right. Now the football index always comes back stronger. I think the panic part of things, obviously that's something that happens to a lot of traders, especially new ones. But I think the sooner you feel comfortable with you know, seeing a player's price drop, I think the better a trader you become. So that's probably something that if you're listening and you're a new trader, I've said this on the podcast several times, that the sooner you become okay with loss, from a monetary perspective the easier it's going to become and I'm sure Alex it was the same for you as soon as you stopped paying attention or maybe not stopped paying attention or stopped being concerned by those small drops or fluctuations and you became a better trader yeah you know you you need to just sort of stop thinking this way and have a strategy and stick to it don't change because okay so and so has gone down and it's a bit of a ah what do I do because I've done that in the past and I've I've learned from it because that's happened. And suddenly, a couple of weeks later, that same player that I've had is now actually 
10, 15p higher than he was when he first dropped. It's definitely something that's become more apparent when PB was obviously implemented into the platform. There's less room for drops. Just because, you know, for example, we've got Gonzalo Higuain, for example. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm just picking someone off the top of my head, someone that I saw in the news today. Uh, I don't want to be slated like I was because I talked about Isco for 30 seconds in the last pod. If he doesn't go to Chelsea or someone else, what's his potential downside? I mean, he was 150, 160, sometimes 170 throughout the whole season of Juventus. If he doesn't go to Chelsea, there's not actually that much room to drop. And there's so many of those players now on Football Index. And I think that allows people to be a lot more comfortable on their holds. This is by no way an endorsement on the purchase of Gonzalo Higuain. But there are, as I said, just so many players like that who don't actually have that much downside, but might have more upside than than downside, as I just mentioned. But backtracking just slightly, talked about the Football Index community very briefly there. I, I've I've noticed even like on the forum, there's there's so many people on that that I really didn't really know that that was a, a bit of a hub for Football Index as well. Because when the company actually introduced the pla- uh, the forum, I didn't think that it was going to take off like it has. But I mean, I've gotten good questions from the forum, gotten good feedback on the podcast, and obviously we got a lot of questions on on Twitter when I said that I was recording with you. And I think Football Index Profit Hunter here, he, he said that you don't buy more of a player, pass their buy price so you don't ruin your average price. Is that true? And if so, talk me through the, the mind state that you've got with that. Yeah, I think I've mentioned a few times on Twitter about, I think a few players have moved up and I've been like, oh, I've missed the boat. I'm not going to buy that player. Um, and I think this comes into a bit of the first year I was a bit inexperienced that I was very care- careful about, all right, I think I'm going to use my big one on Danny Alves. When he first came out, I got his him very good with his IPO. And then he shot up and I was like, do I buy another 100? Obviously, that will change it from being whatever it is. I think it's something like 29p. Uh, do I buy it? And then at this time, I just didn't want to do it because it would ruin my average. And I just had this mind blank about ruining averages. And that is something that I've learned from in the past that actually it means absolutely nothing because what well, well, yeah why don't you elaborate on on what why it doesn't mean much because i think a lot of traders do get caught up in this they do think oh god you know what i've bought a player at 150 they're now 180 i don't want to buy more even though they think that player is potentially going to go up another 20 30p without kind of exposing yourself to too much of a liability then you should buy more right yeah exactly I think I'll use the same example I did with my Danny Alves that he brought back fantastic returns on PB and that's with only a certain amount of futures and then I think back going what if I had bought more like I look at myself going that's so silly because the reason I got on him was for that reason it wasn't because he was going to move anywhere it's not because he's a big name, because I don't know his actual age, but he's an older player. Uh, so it was purely PB, and he smashed some returns. And that's one thing I think I, I regret, and now I've learned from it, and now it's not about the uh, average, and actually, right, what returns will I get back from this person? Yeah, and 
I think also importantly, I think this is something that Football Index SOTD often says, and he said it a couple of times in my podcast before, you should only look at the the current price, right? If you'd bought Danny Alves at 29p and he'd gotten to 160 or whatever, you shouldn't be looking at the price you bought him at. You should be looking at the price that he's currently at, what, what there is a demand for that player, what price is someone willing to buy him off you? Because that's the tangible value of the player. If you sold him, you now have 150 in the bank per future. So I think people always get caught up in that. They think, all right, I've actually deposited £100 and the worth of my portfolio has gone to 150 160 I'm not going to sell because the worst that could happen is I go back to £100 or whatever. That, that's the mindset, right? But when you have £160, you should be thinking, wow, I'm at £160 now. How do I go up and not lose that? How do I, how do I continue progressing from here and not being in that quite comfortable situation thinking, oh, actually, you know what? It's only £100 of my money. When in reality, if you sold all your players there, you now have £150 that you can withdraw and that's now your money and I do air quotes. I always think that this is something that might hold traders back quite a lot because if you put a £10 bet on a, I don't know, an 8 to 1 or, or something like that and the cash out value gets to, I don't know, £50 but the odds for that bet have now gone down to, I don't know, 11 to 8. You should always think like, okay, now I've got £50 if I hadn't bet on this player, would I place £50 on 11 to 8 for the same returns? If that makes sense to you and everyone listening. I always think of it that way. Like, would you take that? So when you're thinking of selling, would you take that money that you have now in that player, their current buy price? If you had that money in your balance, would you go out and buy them? If the answer is yes, then maybe you should buy more. If the answer is no, then maybe you should reconsider your hold. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's something that I've definitely learned through the first year that I've been on the index is that exact way that you've explained it. And I, I know it is a mental thing that it all looks pretty. A lot of people say, but I'm in the green. Uh, I've got to keep it green. But no, I've, I've just gone and gone, look, I'm getting out of that stage. I'm changing a little bit my strategy. Right, this is what I'm doing. But what about the opposite then? What about when you hear people on Twitter saying, I actually quite want him to fall so I can buy more? I don't know. I think there's, there's, there's been bits and pieces of people saying that because do they actually want him to fall? Do they, do, will they actually buy more? Because I'm, I'm sure it happens. People say, oh, he's going to fall. I want him to fall so I can top up. But do they actually top up? It's the, fa- yeah. it's the famous top up, air quotes, or I'll buy more, or I want him to do this or that. <laughs> but 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 also at the same time, it just goes back to what I previously mentioned, which is you own that player at the, the current price, not the buy price. So if you have a player at £4 and he gets to 550 you have him at 550 That's the value of the player. You could sell that player at 550 and you could withdraw that money or buy another player. If he then goes down to £5, you've lost 50p per future. Whether or not you buy more, that's another conversation, but you shouldn't want to lose money. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that has happened to me in the past. That I've, tried to help, I've tried to hold on too much, thinking, right, do I buy more now? When is the right time to buy more? Will they keep going down? If I buy more 
let's use your example at five pounds. What happens if he then goes down to four pound fifty? Should I have waited? When when is the right time to buy more? And I think sometimes that that all depends, doesn't it? For your reasoning, for sure. yeah, for sure. And I think that uh, another thing that I just wanted to get on quickly before you move on is. I think one tactic that I've used in the past, and I've mentioned this and maybe some of the pods right at the start, the first 10, 15 episodes, that when you're unsure and entering a position, and this is sometimes when I might feel slightly more comfortable if a player falls that I've just bought, is say there is a player at £2 who's just dropped from 230 $240. And I'm not sure what that player is like. I'm not sure what that bottom is, right? I'm not sure what he could potentially fall from, but I know he's maybe going to settle at two pounds or he might fall down to 170 or he might fall down to 150. What I sometimes tend to do, instead of going trying to go all in right at the bottom, I tend to kind of leverage myself in slowly by maybe 10 futures at a time or, I don't know, depending on how big your portfolio is, say 50 at a time. And say you want to build up a, a position of 500 futures, you buy 50 at 200, uh, at two pounds. And if he falls to 190, buy another 50. And then you slowly continue build, uh, building that kind of position as the player falls, the, the, the old dollar cost averaging technique and you know, stock markets and, and stock brokers always talk about it. But it, it is something that you do when you're unsure when it, like what the bottom or the, yeah, what the bottom is of a player. And you can do that on the other side of things as well. If, if you don't know what the ceiling of a player is, you can slowly leak that player. You don't need to leak him all at the peak or right next to the peak. You can say, right, you know what? Let me sell a hundred here. If he keeps going up, I'll sell another hundred. Actually have a plan when you're both buying and selling. And I think people tend to be all in and all out, shake it all about, uh, with the football index. They always say, you know what? I'm going to sell all of a player. I'm going to buy all of a player. I was speaking to someone today who was asking me about Cristiano Ronaldo and saying, you know what, should I, hold or should I sell I'm not really sure and I said well if you're unsure maybe the best thing is to do maybe the best thing is to you know put some off the table because you don't want to be in that regretful position when you sell and he rises or you keep any falls so sometimes when you're unsure again another small tip uh, just take a little bit off the table if it's 10% fine 5% fine 15% whatever it is 50% just do what you feel is comfortable, but definitely on those, you know, buying as a player's falling and selling as a player's rising. I think those two things are quite important if, if you want to elaborate or expand on those two. Yeah, I think that's something that I've also learned through my journey is exactly what you said about the buying. When I used to, back in the day, used to be sell them straight away. And then the next thing I know, they've gone up 20p because of something's come out that they're, they're moving to Chelsea they're moving to United and actually now I've started selling little bits and pieces here and there or buying little pieces for let's use Gareth Bale as an example so when he had his monstrosity of a drop from looking to leave Ronaldo by just saying he wants to play more football shooting up from £5.53 I think he was to £8 and now he's back at five forty something. Hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's about that, isn't it? So I've been bits and pieces. It's the same same thing. It's not just with him. It's just that getting that all or nothing mentality and sort of 
right, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not just going to sell all of them. I'm going to disperse bits and pieces here and there. I, I definitely think it's a wise thing to do. It's a wise thing to do as your portfolio grows a bit. But even at the beginning when you're, when you're playing with 10, 20, 50, 100 quid, that it's something that you can learn and, and kind of execute on the index and it'll probably help you. I was just going to say at the end of the day, though, every trader has a different strategy. But of course, of course. For every trader, they might not they might not like this bits and pieces, buy, buy there, sell there. They might be a all or nothing kind of person, sell all the way. doesn't matter if they go up another pound, I'll move on to the next person. I think this is what is so good about the, the, the trading and football index community, that everyone has a different story. Everyone has a different method. People work yeah. in different ways. So one way might work for someone. One way might one way might work for another. I I, de- I definitely think a mixture of the strategies is is, is important as well. I mean, I, I'm definitely not advocating for one or the other, but I've of course gone all or nothing on a player or sold a, a player all at once, and that's when you're or you're feeling confident that that player is going to rise an exceptional amount, or you're feeling confident that that player is going to fall. You buy and sell respectively. The, the other two or three techniques that I was talking about, it's a bit. It's a bit more, it's more one of those where you're feeling slightly less confident in the potential upside or downside on the player. So you leverage yourself in a bit more slowly. But listen, Alex, we've got so much to talk about, mate, because we've got a fair bit of response from Twitter. And obviously, so much has gone down with Ronaldo and Mbappe nearly hitting seven pounds. And FI Charlie and FI Focus, they, they both asked about Mbappe. And last week, we talked about that the young player bubble with the football index info but Mbappe just keeps on rising he's nearly seven pounds so why don't why don't you give a view about why he could go up and I'll give a view about why he could decrease from here and then we'll kind of switch around so I think my my view of him going up is I think that game against Argentina showed the potential that he has in the years to come he completely fired it up he was by far the best person on the pitch. Uh, and he wasn't playing against defence. that he was. I think, I can't remember if Rojo was on the pitch, but Otamende was certainly on there. So it's not like he's playing Muppets. He's, he's playing a solid back three. Yes, Argentina had their problems. Yes, they conceded. But uh, this is a guy that I think until then didn't return any dividends. But I think traders then thought, right, this could be the beginning. This guy is tipped to be the next big thing. We either get on early, and I've seen on Twitter a little bit here and there that a lot of people are looking to put money in players and then not look at their portfolios. So this could be a case that people have put money in Mbappe and then just not looking at their portfolios, thinking that, all right, in a year's time, who knows? Yeah, I I think it's definitely true. I think there's definitely that there's a, there's a few things going on. I think there's the flavor of the month thing where he is what's being talked about now on, on the index, apart from Ronaldo, of course, someone who's actually playing on the pitch and, and performing incredibly well. And this looks like the, the breakthrough tournament on top of the the Champions League with Monaco for Kylian Mbappe, but. I always think that when someone who hasn't returned dividends historically, as, as you quite rightly mentioned, 
when the World Cup does finish and when the transfer window is over, because there has been some some murmurs that Real Madrid might go in for him as a potential Ronaldo replacement, who knows what happens there. But if he does stay at PSG and he doesn't return dividends, there is going to be probably some itchy traders. There's going to be some people with itchy triggers and there's going to be some people who might look at him and say, well, well, at one point he was this safe hole that continued to rise, but you can only rise so much without dividends, right? And I know that's been contradicted with a few anomalies on the index, but generally that's the trend, right? If you look at Mo Salah, he went from £1 to £9.50. He didn't do that for no reason. He went up like a rocket because he returned so much dividends. Same with Cristiano Ronaldo. From January till about now, he went from £5.50 to £9.70, down to £8.30, back to £9.70. All those movements were due to dividends. Paolo Tabala, £1.80 or £2 at the beginning of the season, whatever it was, maybe yeah, £2.50 or whatever. And then just continued to perform exceptionally on performance buzz with regards to the scoring matrix, rose to £5.50, returned an incredible amount of dividends. So that trend will continue to go in Football Index for for the foreseeable future. And there are going to be anomalies. There are going to be some players that just don't adhere to that trend. However, when you do get to those silly prices of six, seven pounds for a 20-year-old who, you know, has just, as you mentioned, returned his first bit of dividends, the real test is going to be whatever club he's at next season, it's probably going to be a PSG because it would cost an arm and a leg to get him off them. Is he going to return enough dividends to justify the investment? And that's the question I would ask. I think it all depends on what happens with this Ronaldo-Neymar situation. Mm, yeah, definitely. With the, the news of uh, Ronaldo going to Juventus, Neymar potentially going to... Real Madrid, so then that sort of relieves the pressure of Neymar at PSG. Then who's who do you think who's going to step up? Yeah, so so that that's the that's the um that's the argument that a lot of people were putting out on Twitter against Mbappe. Why would you buy him when he's competing against Neymar so often in Liga and the Champions League? And you're right, if Neymar does leave and Mbappe becomes the main man. Well, I, I mean, full stop, if Neymar leaves, then you're going to expect some rises in quite a few PSG players, right? And and you're going to probably expect a rise in the player that comes in to replace Neymar. So from that perspective, to contradict myself and play devil advocate to myself, if Neymar does leave, then Mbappe is going to look better value than he does when he's lining up alongside Neymar. No, exactly. And I think because of what happened against Argentina... I think people have now actually gone, all right, this 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 kid's got something. Right. Then you've got the other youngsters. I know I, I listened to the podcast last and people were talking about Chong being one pound forty odd. Doesn't even get a game. But this guy is a bit different because now people have actually seen, right, this kid's got something. Right, let's let's. I'm gonna put. I've got faith to put money in him. I what I think I looked at it when he scored the first goal and he was five pounds fifty four. I think. Yeah. And then he had a little mini rise, and then he scored the second goal. And then boom, he was off. Yeah. yeah. So, I, people work in mysterious ways. <laughs> for sure, that is that is that is for sure. But I th- I think the other thing is that 
there is that going there is that passing the torch analogy that people continue to use and that's probably the reason Neymar is top of the index is because Messi and Ronaldo are getting on slightly if they were five six years younger or Neymar's age they'd probably be up there with him in terms of price but but they're not I do find this always a funny funny uh, little debate about yeah. Ronaldo Messi's age as long as they're returning what, what, why does it matter if they've got two or three years left in him? You're only allowed to hold futures for three, three years. So if Messi and Ronaldo are still, let's use Ronaldo over the World Cup, I think it's 36, yeah, 34, 36, 36 something like that. Yet he's at a certain price. I know people always say, well, hang on, if X is so-and-so and so-and-so's, why is earning this? Why is X not this price? Uh, it does confuse me a little bit when people say, Ronaldo's old though. Mm, I think it's it, it's definitely a strange one, but also I think the fear is that what what if there's a Zlatan scenario, right? If you are invested in a Kylian Mbappe or a, I'm not going to say Tahif Jong, I'm going to say Paolo Dybala, someone who's a bit younger also that we mentioned before. If those guys get injured and they're out for nine months, they are going to probably get back at some point and your bet is not in air quotes, lost. With a Ronaldo, if he really damaged himself at the age of 33, 34, like Zlatan did, who is now something like 27p, which is absolutely ridiculous to think. But a similar thing could happen, and why not? Like, if there's a big injury to a player who's high in price, who, you know, who won't be able to perform at that level after that injury, then that's probably what's going through people's minds, right? And, and maybe, to your point, that's why Kellyn Mbappe looks so attractive to so many investors because he's 20 years old, setting the world on fire. If he goes down from 650 to £5, pounds, some people might just be like, oh, he's going he's gonna to be up to, to £8, £9 pounds soon. And that might not be the best attitude to maximize, to maximize your amount of profit, but it's the comfort and the safety element that people crave on Football Index. People want to make money with no risk, right? And they don't mind making 30% on a player if the risk is minus 5%, but they won't risk 10, 15% for a 100% return. And I know it's silly, but people are very scared of those potential drops, right? Yeah, exactly. But I think that happens with anything in life, even not in the index. Sometimes you've got to take risks. Got to take risks. Yeah, I, I, th- I think my dad always says to me, like, the only way you get rich is through risk no one ever got rich being cautious and i know not that many people will become incredibly wealthy via football index but i think that that kind of that kind of thing goes to as you said many things in life but next thing ronaldo to juve what, what are the potential implications for him first of all what what's what would you predict that his mb and pb does from from here on in it let's say hypothetically he goes to juventus i think if I'm honest, I think they both stay the same. This is this is a personal thing. Like I've spoken to a few people. I think they stay. He's still Ronaldo. Just because he's gone from Real Madrid to Juventus, who are still very dominant in their own league. They're still very dominant in Champions League. It's still Ronaldo. He, he hasn't changed. He's still going to be in the newspapers. There will be still stories about him coming back to Man United. Uh, for me, I don't think that MB st- changes that much. I think his PB probably goes up uh, because, well, what forwards is he is he playing against on Sundays? 
depends what happens with Dybala. What would would the counter argument be that maybe I don't know Serie A teams like Juventus will probably score less goals than Real Madrid, right? So would that potentially mean that Ronaldo scores less goals and maybe have less chance of winning PB? But at the same time, as you said, he might be playing on on favoured fixture days, right? Yeah. So I think I think most of that was what went through traders' minds last last uh, season. I think Napoli was a big example. A few we we saw a few rises in their players purely, I think, because they played on a Sunday and they had fantastic scores. Yeah, Inter Milan was one as well, right at the beginning of the season where they played a lot of midweek games, didn't they? Yeah. One other thing that I want to talk about, I think this actually, weird thing, hear me out, and I don't, I'm not. this isn't, again, not an endorsement to, to buy Ronaldo and this isn't an endorsement to buy, this podcast is not meant to be an endorsement to buy any player, but hear me out, MB-wise, he's kind of competing with Messi from a media buzz perspective from La Liga, right? He's going to a league which was the most competitive league in the top five European leagues in last season. And he's going to a league where he is the only super, super, superstar, right? And he's also going to a league that is getting a bit more coverage People are turning their heads a bit more towards Serie A. You've got BT Sport who have a lot of Serie A rights. You have a lot more um, podcasters and content creators doing stuff about Serie A players. Ronaldo is going into a growing market. Could this be like one of the best marketing ploys by his agent and Cristiano Ronaldo himself ever? <laughs> it would be. It would definitely be a probably one of the most interesting moves. Uh, I think a lot of people are very shocked it is Juventus. Uh, I think a lot of people might have expected a return back to Manchester United or a swap between Neymar and PSG. But I think you're, I think you could be spot on. I've, not, I've generally not actually thought of it the way you thought of it, but you are right. It was one of the most competitive leagues. A lot of talk was about it. It could be a fantastic move. 88 million, I think it was. I can't see Ronaldo going, I'm definitely worth more than that. Yeah, uh, That's the one thing that's put me off thinking, is that a genuine offer? I, I think it might be because of the age and, and also because if the, if the wages that are being touted as 30 million euros post-tax, that's post-tax, right? In Syria, when an offer is made to a player it's always done post-tax right so uh i think Lionel messi is on 40 million euros i think that's pre-tax Me- uh, ronaldo would be on 30 million euros post-tax which is a gargantuan amount i, th- I th- what do you think the potential implications are to juventus as a, as a team for for pb if he does go there if he goes if he goes there for pb or what will happen to his bb uh, not not what would happen to his pb what would it, how would it affect juventus as a team for pb if I, like i i noticed someone uh, tell me that when sergio ramos doesn't play for for real madrid they they don't get a certain amount of clean sheets and obviously that means their defenders are all negatively affected from a from a pv perspective so so what happens to the rest of the juve team if ronaldo goes there i think it's i think it's a tough one because we we don't know. We 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 generally don't know. He could go there. They could win. They he they could score the most goals in Europe. They could not let in the most goals purely because confidence is high. I, it's always going to be a tough one because 
you just don't know yet. And so it's until yeah. until it happens, it's difficult to say. We could easily sit here and say, right, Ronaldo's gone to Juventus. Now he's now they're going to win four nil every game. He's going to score a hat trick every game. In the last episode, I talked about Nabil Fakir and, and Depay. If Fakir leaves, Depay becomes the main man. But on the downside, if Fakir leaves, Leon have less of a chance of winning. Yeah, so that means that you automatically lose PB points. Do those two things weigh up and make Depay worth about the same if he leaves? I'm not sure. Like it is one of those things where you have to wait and see. And people have been talking about uh, Pjanic, Dybala. Um, Higuain, Douglas Costa, what's it mean for all these guys? What does it mean for Pjanic and Dybala who might be used to taking free kicks and penalties? Ronaldo's going to be taking all of those, right? What could it mean for the whole team defensively Ronaldo is not someone who is renowned for his pressing ability but at the same time he's played in Portugal teams that have been very very strong defensively so does that mean that you have to sacrifice other flair players to make your team a lot more robust maybe have less possession there's so many things to weigh up and I always talk about this there's way too many variables to be making decisions about how players are going to perform for PB in the coming season you can make guesstimates and you can make informed estimations and you can try and predict things but at the end of the day sometimes we just have to wait and see and that's why in the last episode and I wasn't trying to downplay the value of PB players that performed last season it was more of a a warning that I think people should heed that if they don't perform identically there's going to be drops right or if they don't improve of those performances. So there are so many variables. And I think when there are too many variables, that's what should put traders off buying into a player. When there are so many variables for a specific player, it's hard for you to make an informed decision. When Spurs were moving into Wembley for just the last season, a lot of people were asking me about Harry Kane and Deli Ali, And I kind of said, well, like that's a massive variable, isn't it? Do you really want to risk the potential downside if they continue their kind of Wembley curse? And they did do that for the beginning of the season, but obviously they kind of started uh, an uptick in performances after a while, after they got used to the ground. But that's a big variable. And these are big variables. The ones that we're talking about, the Ronaldos, the Higuains, the Dybalas, the Mbappes that we've just mentioned. There's so many variables that when there are too many, you either have to sit and hold or stay away and wait until you see what the PB returns and MB returns are and then make a decision because then you actually have some tangible performances and some actual data to go upon. Yeah, I think it's, it is all a, a wait and research just to, to see what happens because, as you said, with certain players coming in will change the outcomes of certain stuff. They might play down the left side more often they might not be on free kicks or corners so I think it is a massive wait and see and for me personally I've not yet got into too many different PB players because I think the perfect example is uh, Mo Salah no one expected him to do what he did yeah I, I, I am mark him as an example all the time like you should be looking for the next Mo Salah, right? Obviously impossible to find. and I'd Yet. It's impossible to find yeah. yet. Every season, there is a breakthrough player of some description. Every season. So there will be someone. It's just who, who can see them first 
and then the world is your oyster. Exactly. Well, well, good luck to those guys trying to find the next Mo Salah. But I think Football Index Profit Hunter, and I'm going to move on here, Football Index Profit Hunter asked if we could discuss the drops or lack of drops in a lot of players that have gone out, a lot of players that have gone out of the World Cup. Why do you think this is the case? And I actually saw... When the Spain squad went out, you had Diego Costa, Isco, David Silva, Sergio Ramos, PK, all down. So why don't you expand on this question? Yeah, I think a lot of people thought that Spain were going to go very deep into the tournament, potentially even favourites to win it. So obviously players like Isco, uh, Diego Costa, um, PK, Ramos, they all had their little rise before because obviously... PB was on the forefront. It would have been treble towards the end, back end of the tournament. So they've had their rise, and obviously then getting knocked out of uh, knocked out to Russia. Um, then obviously people thought, all right, I'm taking my profit and moving elsewhere. I was a little surprised, and some dropped a little further more than others because they are still PB players. They still will have a season for Real Madrid for Barcelona, for their respected teams. So it was interesting to see them drop other than other teams, let's say the South American teams that might be might do well, but yet their players have no chance of PB come August because they play in the non-PB leagues. Exactly. I think because the World Cup is so close to the actual season starting, and I think we start in... In the Premier League, it's the 11th of August, isn't it? That's not far away at all. So if you're looking at the World Cup finishing on the 15th of July, you're waiting less than a month for actual PB football to start. So I think that's, in answer to this question, the reason that some of these players haven't fallen as much as they could do. Because remember, a lot of the players that went up, they are players that might do well only in limited pools. You've seen those central defensive midfielders rise, the likes of Casemiro, Sergio Busquets, Kante, etc. Some of those guys, unless they score on the triple day, double day, sometimes even a single day, they don't really have a chance. So when there is very limited pools, when there's only one game on or two games on, they have more of a chance if there are low scoring midfielders. But yeah, I think it's, I wouldn't say that the drops are not drastic. I think they're kind of, I think they're kind of justified, really. I definitely agree with you. I think a lot of people expected mammoth drops, especially with Germany not making it through Spain. Yes, I think a couple of players went down 40p. I think Muller was one of them. I think he was at 230-odd. He's now at... 170, 180. Uh, A couple of players are going to have that. But on the whole, not many people had big, big drops. And I think that's because of the up-and-coming season close. People thinking, right, they got knocked out early. They've got time to rest and come back stronger. You're thinking of maybe whoever wins the World Cup, they've got less than a month to get ready for the... uh, the full season of their respected leagues, how's their health going to be? That that is something true. I mean, I remember when, as an Arsenal fan, when Germany your health won the your world. health must be in trouble every season. Then being an Arsenal fan, uh, oh mate, trust me, I've uh, you know heart 
is not good. Is not good. My heart is not in a good state after the last five or six seasons. But <laughs> after they won the World Cup, Germany, I think Özil, Mertesacker, who are two German contingents. Maybe was Lukas Podolski still with us at that? But I'm not too sure. I don't think he. I might. That might have been the season he left. But they didn't start playing for like three weeks into the Premier League. So that might be something that that goes into trader minds, like. If I hold a player that wins the World Cup, they actually have less of a chance to win PB, which is something that no one's talked about yet. And I'm really glad that you've, you've brought it up. That's going to be really funny. Imagine seeing on Twitter like, uh, yeah, just sold up X player because they won't actually be able to return PB for the next eight weeks, which is kind of justified, right? Eight, eight weeks is a long time. That's two months. That's, uh, you know, a, f- a whole football season is what? Nine, ten months? It's a yeah. long, long time. And think about it, even without the World Cup, players still complain about fatigue. Uh, and that's just without, that's without a World Cup. Yeah. But my, my, my overarching point being like, if a, if a league goes from August to May, that's nine months. If a player can't play football for the first month of those nine months because they won the World Cup, that means that a ninth of their potential PB returns are automatically wiped out without them even stepping foot on the pitch. Exactly. It'd be interesting if uh, England win the World Cup because obviously oh, mate, that's, that oh, is, and obvi- it's coming home. And, and so... obviously it's coming home. No, I mean, I mean, uh, funnily enough, you mentioned England. There's so many of them that look like, <laughs> like the walking wounded, aren't they? I think there's there's four guys that are, that have had knocks. I think Harry Kane declared himself fit today. I didn't even know he was injured. Jamie Vardy I saw... hurt himself. Yeah, I saw I saw John Stones with a John John Stones with a bandage on his ankle after the game chatting to Glenn Glenn Hoddle. So bloody hell, it's um it's not an easy sport, and also uh, that's something that we don't remember when we're investing in these or buying, trading, betting on these players that they are human, that they are not averse to potential injuries. But I, I'm going to move on to our last topic and. Uh, Harrison Cheel and golfing granddad, great name. We talked about golfing index. I think he got a bit of a hard on after that. Um, They asked about picking PB players for for next season. And and lots of people have asked for under the radar picks. And as as we all know, I don't really like giving specific examples because a lot of people have said, I don't think he realized. Frowned upon, isn't it? Frowned upon, frowned upon. But also I don't think, um, I don't think people uh, or someone, raised this to me the other day and I think it might be quite valid he said you don't realize how much your podcast affects the way people think about the index and how they trade so you know I'm keeping clear of this one but what are you looking for in PB players what are you actually looking for not like like, let's try and generalize it for for defenders midfielders strikers what are you looking for uh, for each category I think consistent scores I think consistent scores through every match they play. Uh, are you talking about peak scores or average scores? Just average scores because I know people like to talk about baseline. I'm not talking about baseline. Just talking about who who has a good, consistent score. Yeah, it doesn't have to be their baseline. I'm not talking about if they... Talking about when they score, what, they, what they've done. What I'm looking for consistency because at some point, if they are being consistent that they're going to win probably more pb than not or be in with a chance 
for sure and especially if those for example say a striker scoring quite a lot of goals but he's been pipped to the line quite a few times you can then look at those scores and be like you know what he's putting a score there that would have won on maybe x y and z day why don't i pick some up while people are selling because he hasn't won pb and then i'll wait for the next time he scores that many goals because he's maybe having a good season yeah, exactly. And I think that's what I sort of looking on trends. And I know you spoke about it last week about cycles, just looking at sort of that sort of mindset of, all right, so-and-so scored a very good score today. They also did it last week and they did it, yet they've been pipped by someone that scored a hat-trick. How often is that going to happen? Uh, or a defender losing just because they didn't keep a clean sheet. That one time, they might have let in a 90th minute goal. Mm. Uh, how often is that going to happen? So I'm, I'm, I'm looking a bit... At, right now, I haven't really looked into too many PB players because a new season brings new challenges that bring new players, that bring new performances. So at the moment, you could go off last season and that's a good base. But right now... It's very difficult. Well, especially especially when all these big moves could happen. I, I, that's the thing as well. You mentioned about last season. This next season might be completely flipped on its head if one of the best players in the world moves leagues. One of um, one of the other best players in the world, Neymar, could be moving leagues. Like he will. There's so many. You think he will? Well, in the industry that I work in, from a close, a very close source, apparently Neymar is. Going to Real Madrid. Well, our very own uh, in the know, Alex. Uh, are you going to create like a FI in the know account now? No, definitely not. <laughs> well, uh, all right. So I think what I'd be looking for in terms of defenders, I'd be looking at uh, obviously from a fullback perspective, you, you want someone who crosses the ball quite a lot. You, you might be looking at someone. I, I think there's different types, right? There's There, there are those uh, fullbacks that consistently cross the ball in like no tomorrow. I think we saw, um, and I know he's not a fullback, but Juan Hadrado against our, uh, England. The amount of times he just whipped the ball in from the right-hand side was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I think if you're talking about fullbacks, I think I saw a good score from, I think, Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah, Switzerland. Purely purely from crossing, right? Yeah, that's one of the defender that takes corners, free kicks. So, So maybe like when you're researching these fullbacks, for example, as well as I think the first thing that everyone goes to is goals, right? Because... I think we mentioned this on a couple of podcasts ago with Tom from who's got the assist little plug there. I think that's episode 35 or 36 even. Yeah. 36. You should definitely check that one out. If you haven't already, we were talking about how goal oriented football index is from a scoring perspective. If you have a player in any position who scores goals consistently, then they're in the chance for winning PB. We even saw bloody Marouin Fellaini because he can score a goal or two with a few PBs yes, uh, last season with with United. So it doesn't matter at some points. It doesn't matter how many crosses, how many passes, how many shots, how many corners. Sometimes it's just purely about how many goals they score, which is uh, fortunate or unfortunate, however way you look at it. But when you get past the goals, then you look at you know how many shots are they expected to take, how many touches they get in the penalty area if they're a, if they're a striker, how many crosses do they on average take in a game, and then you can look at you know how many assists they got. They, they they're expected to get and then work out well if they take 
or they have this many crosses and they have this many assists. How many assists do they get in uh, regards to how many crosses they uh, execute? And then you can try and paint a better picture of, well, when they're playing against a team who are sitting very deep and they, they cross a lot or whatever, or they you take a lot of shots or you do have a lot of touches in the area, then there might be more chance of a of a better PB score than they've had in previous games or previous seasons. Another thing for me is conversion rate. So like a striker with a really good conversion rate that's scored a lot of goals. If you maybe look at players who don't have a good conversion rate, who you think they could improve upon that, then they might, you might be onto a winner. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah. I think if you've got someone, I think the best example, and I've always said it, even if it's not on the index, but Romelu Lukaku, you've got a guy that gets 10 chances a game. He'll score one goal. It's it's just simple, simple that if you've got someone that is getting in a team that is getting chance after chance, they are going to do something conventionally. And you want someone like that because they will give you the best chance to win PB. Uh, and, And that happens across all leagues. It's just finding that that gem that, right, this team gets so-and-so possession, so-and-so shots, uh, so-and-so shots against them. And then it's just, right, let's let's see what happens. Exactly. I, I like that end point and I want to piggyback on it. You can look at data, but sometimes you might say, well, actually, no, he's, he's doing all right in this category, this category, this category. If he improves on X, Y, Z, I could be on to a winner, especially if you compare them to, say, big scorers from last season. So if you, I don't know, look at uh, Memphis Depay got a lot of PB wins last season. If you cross-examine his scores or stats, I don't know, exp- uh, shots per game, passes per game, crosses per game, all that jazz, how many times he's fouled, and you examine that against a player who maybe didn't score as well, but you think will do better, you can then look at, well, how much better does that player have to do to reach the scores that Depay had in the last season? So I think that's an interesting way to do it that I haven't actually thought of before with recording. If you, you know, look at a player who you think is going to improve from a PB's perspective, compare them to the scores and the stats of a player that did do well last season, then you might think, what does he have to do to bridge that gap? How likely is it? If it's kind of likely... I should buy some because the odds might be in my favour. And even if he doesn't completely bridge that gap, he's going to improve to an extent that will encourage people to buy that player. I think that's I think that's exactly right. I think it's bringing back to what we spoke about earlier about the risk. It's sort of, I know I think the word that has been used a lot, just having that punt, having a, having a punt on the player because you believe, and this is what I, I try and do now, I trade with what I believe will happen, what I believe... Will, so let's say a transfer, for example, like if a story comes out and I'm like, that is definitely that's definitely not going to happen. I think my I'll use my example of Ibrahimovic when he said when he was going to re-sign for United and then it was that he was going to LA Galaxy. I was like, there is no way he's going to LA Galaxy straight straight away. There, there's no way. There's been no news, no thank you for being at the club. So. This is this is a, a, I guess the same thing. 
is to trade with what you believe. Mm, yeah, I think you do have to go with your gut sometimes. But Alex, it's been a pleasure having you on, man. What, where can people find out a bit more about you? Where can they follow you on Twitter, etc.? Uh, so my Twitter handle is footyindex underscore 102. Uh, I'm all about a little bit of fun, bit of laugh, not too serious. I know a lot of people take me to uh, a bit too much, but it's all fun and games. And I think we we all love each other out there in the football ind- uh, index community. We all we all try and help each other. Definitely. When are we looking at one oh three? I think it will be two oh one next uh, next year. Oh yeah, moving up oh, to my wow. sophomore year, a bit more experience and yeah, 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 getting a. Getting a bit more used to the podcast, uh, graduating to to becoming a guest, you know, and yeah. having a bit more of exactly. a exactly winning, winning the sweepstake. Oh yeah, we didn't even speak about. I know, that. I'm really disappointed. I thought that was the, oh, I thought that was mate, the only reason I got forgot. asked. Oh man, well you, you've you've put up a great bit of conversation. So uh, sorry, I forgot, man. How did that feel? I know it was, it was good. I was a bit nervous because I was on. I work in tennis, so I was on. Yeah. I was on court. Uh, I looked at my phone. I had two missed calls from an unknown number. Uh, then I saw one of my friends post something about the index calling the person at 12 o'clock. And I was like, well, hang on, I've been called at 208, 209, surely not. Uh, I think I threw out a message on Twitter saying, surely, surely, I'm fuming if they then, because I read something about if you don't yeah, answer yeah, yeah. then There's you something forfeit in the T's it. And C's, isn't it. Yeah, I didn't look at it, but it, it is 24 hours, thankfully. Yeah. But uh yeah, I just rang uh, Football Index and said, look, I might be a massive coincidence, but I've got a missed call. Uh, have I been the winner? Was it something to do with it? They asked me for some information, gave it to them. They came back and said, congratulations. Uh, no, it was a bit of a shock because I didn't expect to be the first one. Uh, <laughs> well, what, what have you done with it? Uh, I have already reinvested it. Uh, oh, brave man! Not not treating yourself to a holiday? No, 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 not yet. Hopefully, with uh, the rises in some players at the beginning of the season, I can then look to have some fun. But no, I've reinvested it already, and excited for the new season ahead. Wow, fair play, man! Oh, well, congratulations for winning. I'm not salty at all. You're, I am. You're I'm really you'll jealous. have your time, but if you win, it will be a fix, surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it, I, it would be. I did find that quite funny when people were saying he he's he's one of the f- f- uh, index community on Twitter, and I was like, but how would Football Index know that? I'm pretty sure my account isn't linked to Twitter, so it's just a a coincidence, I guess. But but also like who in the football like the 85 percent of the accounts on Twitter are Football Index Twitter accounts, and like it, it, you shouldn't be discounted or not allowed to win it you know you should be able to win it if you signed up to today and opted in and bought 100 pounds worth of players or you should be able to win if you were the very first user it's completely random so i don't think people should have any um bad feelings towards anyone who wins especially if it's a nice gentleman like yourself who invested reinvested all his money back into yeah, i think it was so. i think it was the first i said that i would i'd pay back uh, football index by reinvesting it and why would i take it out i want to try and make a little bit more more money it's a shame it's not 10 grand but hey yeah. i'm not going to argue two two uh two and a half is not too bad yeah definitely man i yeah i'm absolutely jealous but th- there are a few more prizes your time's, so your time's coming 
fingers crossed yeah you've got some good vibes there hopefully uh hopefully it works out but yeah uh, hopefully there's um there's some really happy winners i wish they could do like reaction videos or something like that if someone could could have recorded you like just like when eric dyer scored the winning penalty like those sort of yeah 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 that's kind of what i want so basically for the next winners can can you guys like kind of step up your game do a few selfie videos like but uh you know just get really bloody mad about winning 5k or whatever i saw Jazz i saw i saw a couple of the couple of the tweets like uh obviously they were completely elated and you can never put into words how happy you are that feeling of obviously winning 2.5 grand five grand one grand whatever it is how many grands it is so still a lot of money it'd be just great if uh i don't know they, they got some sort of reaction video or something like that it'd be brilliant yeah i guess, i guess it would be uh interesting to see some uh, what actually people look like other than just their twitter twitter handles i think that would always be a a, a good thing to see a little yeah, bit more interesting well I, yeah I, I argue that it, it it's probably the the beginnings of what we see with the fancy premier league community where there are a lot of fancy premier league accounts i think we'll just have the same on football index because i think we'll have a lot of people who just join twitter for football index and why else would they tweet about anything else than football index if that's the only reason they're here but you know that's a debate for another podcast episode thanks so much for coming on alex Um, uh, thank you very much for having me yeah no worries man anytime and uh glad you spend that money on some some players on the index but thanks for listening guys uh yeah if you did enjoy that please do subscribe tell your friends leave a review i love reading those reviews they all about the reviews all about the reviews they really motivate me to to make better content for for everyone and yeah if, if you want to maybe get better at trading have a have a look at some of my youtube videos i know i've been lacking on those but um there's something coming there's there's going to be more bank deal videos hopefully i'll have like a new series out next season or something like that and a few more trading technique episodes and hopefully can get some more content out but it's the summer i've been incredibly busy it's been really hard to to make videos and stuff but yeah thanks for watching have a great commute peace